So Money, episode 1034, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. April 24th. I'm recording this on April 23rd, sitting here and looking at hail coming down outside. Sure, why not? It's been a crazy week. Uh, (laughs) If you follow me on Instagram, you may know this story just really captures the mood, uh, the zeitgeist right now in our household. So the other day, this week, I was doing the dishes and my husband came in the kitchen and he said, oh, uh, have you seen my coffee mug? I said, did it have coffee in it? He said, yeah, I just made a pot of coffee. I just, you know, I made, I made this, we have an espresso machine. So I was like, I just made a, a brew. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. But knowing me, I'm a real I'm crazy around the kitchen. Like if I see a half empty cup, and it's by the sink, I assume that person is done drinking that beverage. And so I wash it or I put it in the dishwasher. And so I just assumed I had mistakenly washed this cup out and whatever, I apologized and no big deal, make another another Nespresso. We're saving a lot of money on coffee right now. (sighs) Let me just tell you. Well, the next day, Tim said to me, you know, funny thing about that coffee mug. I said, what? Uh, He goes, I found it in the cupboard. I said, was there coffee in it? He goes, yeah, there was coffee in it. (laughs) We had a good laugh about it. But then later that night, I was like, I don't even remember doing that. Who did that? Tim didn't know if he did it. It's like we are walk. How are we getting anything done? Right. We have two children that we are responsible for, not to mention businesses and our well-beings. And uh, I don't know. I posted this on Instagram and it has gone a little viral. I think it really spoke to... (laughs) the essence of what people are experiencing right now in their homes, walking around like zombies, not knowing what day it is. But today, I'm happy to say, is Ask Farnoosh Friday. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for hearing my rant. Uh, I'm going to go first to the iTunes section and address some of the reviews. Some uh, continue to be very positive. We have one uh, listener, a new listener who is not coming back to the show. He said on April 19th, absurdly reckless advice, run exclamation point, one star, Bailey B45. I would offer this person a 15 minute money review, money session, but I don't think he really wants to talk to me. That's cool. You know, I'm not going to say that reviews like this don't sting, but it is what it is. He didn't appreciate some of the advice in a few of the episodes. I thank him for giving the show a try. And I know that leaving a review, whether it's good, mediocre, bad, it takes effort. So he must really feel strongly about his opinions of the show. But I, of course, disagree, but I respect his opinions and I encourage everyone uh, to provide feedback. So Bailey B45, I'm sorry you didn't like the show, but if I can do anything to uh, persuade you to come back, I absolutely will. Uh, we Let's have a talk, 15-minute money session. If you want to email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Happy to chit-chat. Uh, but I also want to say thank you to Jackie, who left a review on April 9th, calling the show a voice of reason. See, it's interesting how people can have completely opposite opinions of 
the same content. I think that's really, really fascinating, actually. So anyway, Jackie, thank you so much. She says, I totally recommend listening to this podcast. If you're looking for money advice from all aspects, especially during these challenging times, Farnoosh is the voice of reason in many life aspects, from money to career to family advice. When I first started listening, I was working on paying down my debt. I read a few books, but found that it was hard to have money conversations in my circle of friends. Listening to the podcast has made me realize there was a whole community of financial awareness from all walks of life. This podcast has opened my eyes and given me the confidence to take on challenges. Well, Jackie, I'm so happy to hear that this show has worked out well for you. And I would love to extend um, a 15 minute money session to you so that we can, you know, catch up and see how else I might be able to be uh, helpful to you. This week was a really, I'm really proud of the podcast. I have to say these last few weeks, I, even though life has been completely turned upside down in behind the scenes, you know, we didn't have childcare for a very long time. We just got childcare back. Oh my gosh, what a difference, right? Uh, I can finally take a shower when I want to. All through all of it, I've I've been really committed to this podcast. Hopefully, you've been noticing trying to cater every single episode to the times. And of course, a lot of these guests I book way in advance. And so in lieu of canceling these guests, because maybe they're not directly going to talk about the pandemic or the financial crisis, I'm trying to find a way to sort of weave in their narrative and kind of make it a little bit more relevant to what everybody's experiencing. So thank you to all my guests who've been playing ball and been sharing their experiences as they've been you know, working their way through the pandemic on their personal finances, their business finances. They've been sharing it all with us on the show. Just want to highlight Dan Price on Monday. Y'all remember Dan Price? He's the CEO of Gravity Payments. He came on the show in 2015 when I first launched. And I reached out to him because he was doing something pretty spectacular back then, which was he raised the minimum salary at his company and his small business to $70,000 per year. And he himself took a pay cut from about $900,000 a year to $70,000 a year. And it made a lot of headlines, obviously. Uh, It really, I think, sparked a debate, a healthy debate and a really strong conversation around what is the appropriate minimum wage and uh, years later, uh, we checked back in and we found that, you know, many of his employees were able to buy homes and start families. And really, I mean, this for many of them made an immense difference in their lives. And so fast forward to just last this past Monday, I had Dan on the show with a much different narrative and story. Unfortunately, like so many small businesses, Gravity Payments was hit hard in the last month as a result of, you know, a slowdown in the economy, more than a slowdown. So just to brief you, Gravity Payments is a credit card processing company. So how it works is you go to a store, you swipe your credit card or you dip your credit card, um, you tap your card, that purchase gets processed, Gravity Payments takes a percentage of that as a facilitator of that payment, as the as the company that is sort of the middleman in that payment. About 25% of their clientele being small businesses, restaurants, restaurants specifically, uh, Gravity Payments saw a 55% drop in revenue in just a matter of weeks. So like many companies right now, they're at a crossroads. What do we do? Do we go bankrupt? Do we, I mean, assuming 
you don't have any cash reserves, which Gravity Payments actually does have some runway, but and they were planning for a recession, but not as severe as this. So they were like, okay, what do we do? Do we lay off people? We don't want to. So they took a democratic approach and they had everyone in the company vote for what they thought would be a reasonable kind of compromise right now, financial compromise for all of the all of the staff. And what they landed on was something pretty, I think, exemplary. It's not the sort of stuff that they teach right now in MBA school. And MBA school, the case studies are like, first thing you got to do is cut costs, cut marketing, cut staff. Uh, they didn't do any of that. And they kept everybody on staff. How they did it, you'll have to listen to episode 1032 with Dan Price. And then on Wednesday, we had Heather Chauvin, who is just a victorious woman, a woman who six years ago got some devastating news. She discovered that she had stage four cancer. Okay. So then now she has to go back to her family, a family of five, three kids. And she's telling me on the show that her medical treatments were $1,000 a week. Uh, Yeah. So how did she afford that? How did she come on the other side of this cancer-free, debt-free, making more money now than she ever has? I thought this story was really important to hear now because so many of us feel like we have our hands tied behind our back, right? Decisions are being made for us. Her story is absolutely remarkable and she's an incredible woman. Wanted to bring her on the show to share her perspectives. I think a lot of us could learn from what she went through and apply some of that mindset uh, to uh, whatever we're working through right now. So check that out on Wednesday, episode 1033. Okay, time to go to our mailbag. We have questions that have come in through Instagram, email, starting with our friend, Sierra. She has a three-parter but uh, all very good questions. So here's here are Sierra's questions. Um, firstly, she says, Farnoosh, love your podcast. A close friend introduced me to it. Well, thank you to you and your friend. Hope you uh, are listening today and that my answers will be helpful to you. So here are Sierra's questions. She says, first, I recently switched employers and I had the option to cash out my old pension. These funds were 100% employer contributions, none from my own paycheck. I aggressively contributed to retirement retirement the past few years, so I'm tracking well with just my 401k. Now that the CARES Act, also known as the stimulus, is in place, when I get my lump sum pension, do I have to pay the 10% penalty and 20% tax, or is that now waived with the CARES Act since it's a distribution from a retirement account during the crisis? So let's just start with that. So Sierra, the rule right now with the CARES Act, the new law says that if you have an employer-sponsored retirement account, like a 401k, a 403b, or you have an IRA of any kind, these types of retirement accounts, you can now, before the age of 59 and a half, take out up to $100,000 between now and the end of the year and not have to pay the 10% penalty And to ease the tax burden, the CARES Act says you have up to three years to pay taxes on that withdrawal. If you pay your retirement account back, you could avoid being taxed altogether as well. So keep that in mind. The new law says if you pay yourself back over a three-year period, whether that's multiple payments, lump sum, before the three-year window, then you may not have to worry about income tax. 
Nowhere in this do I see anything about pensions lacking any directive from the government here. I would say talk to your company about that. There might be some sort of benefit, uh, but I, I don't, as far as I've been reading, don't see anything that's directly about pensions. It's all been talking about the 401ks, the 403bs, and the IRAs. So uh, I wish I had more of a definitive answer for you there, but I guess next step is just talk to your employer about that. Second question, she received a sign-on bonus from the new job and would like to pay down some credit card debt with that sign-on bonus. Can I negotiate my credit card balances? So Sierra, right now we do know that some people are renegotiating their credit card balances. I mean, you can do this any time of the year. Uh, However, the benefits, the negotiation only really works in your favor if you do show hardship which if you're someone who just got a bonus from a job and you're employed, it's going to be hard to prove that you have hardship. But for everybody else listening who might be experiencing financial hardship, it is worth it to call your credit card company and ask them about any kinds of modification plans, payment plans that they can put you on to help you give, uh, to help you give you some more relief. But I will say this though, Sierra, if you've been a good customer, you've been paying your bills on time, you've had no issues, and if you do have an interest rate on these cards, which I assume you do, and if you think you're going to be having to carry these balances, calling them and asking them to reduce your interest rate, not a bad idea. Uh, Because that is something that does often get handed to people who are in good standing, making good on-time payments. You know, the credit card companies want to keep your business and interest rates are what they compete on, right? So you could say, well, I could transfer this to a 0% balance card or I could go with a different card. In that case, that might be your better negotiation and it could give you some payment relief uh, month to month. Thirdly, and last, she says, with lots of talk about student loan forgiveness, should those of us with loans avoid any additional payments for the next year or so in hopes that we may see some forgiveness soon? So going back to the CARES Act, Sierra, I don't know if your student loans are federal direct loans. If they are, you should know, and maybe you do already know this, that the Department of Education is going to be automatically suspending payments on direct loans as well as federal family education loans through September 30th of this year. No interest is going to accrue during the suspension period. It's not going to impact your credit. This might be something that you can take advantage of for the time being. I wouldn't uh, assume that there's going to be any more help coming our way with student loans. Although, yes, there's a lot of discussions around this, and I hope that there will be some sort of reform. If you do experience hardship later in the year, then that's a conversation you want to have with your lender, again, about modification plans, interest reduction, things of that nature. But do know that if you do have a federal loan through the government, then you won't have to pay until October of this year. So that's good news. And speaking of student loans, a friend of the show, Mel, writes in and says, Hey, Farnoosh, I work in government and qualify for public service loan forgiveness. This is a federal program that gives you forgiveness on the remaining balance on your direct loans after you've made 125 qualifying monthly payments under a qualifying repayment plan while working for, and I'm getting this from the government website, so this is why I'm sounding very forensic here, while working full-time for a qualifying employer. So this is something that was established under the College Cost Reduction and Access Act of 2007 to give indebted professionals 
borrowers a way out of their federal student loan debt burden by working full time in public service. So what is public service? You know, it's working for the government, like our friend here, Mel, military, law enforcement, schools, et cetera, et cetera, Peace Corps, AmeriCorps. So back to her question, she says that she's been saving a set amount per month for a few years for either a future down payment on a home or the risk of the PSLF program getting cut. Do you think I should keep that sum in a savings account or invest it in a mutual fund? I would say definitely a savings account. I don't think that this is money that you want to risk in the market, given that your goals for buying a home, I assume, are not 20 years from now (laughs) or 10 years from now. This is probably a a relatively short-term goal. And then as far as the PSLF goes, you know, we're talking 120 qualifying payments. Let's say that's 10 years. So even if you're on year one of this program and they cut it next year or in five years, that's still within a 10-year window whereby I don't think you should be putting your money that you need for something within you know five to 10 years in the stock market. I used to say that if your goal was more than five years away, then yeah, put your money in the stock market. But that's really just a rule of thumb. And in this situation that we're in, knowing what we're dealing, we know what we're facing. I think a 10-year period, if you do need this money, Mel, for the next five to 10 years, I would not risk it in the stock market. Our next friend of the show wants to know whether or not she should go to graduate school right now, given everything that's happening. She would like to remain anonymous, but here's her situation. She's 27 years old, recently accepted into a global health master's program in the UK for the upcoming fall. Currently, she works full-time in higher ed and has been fortunate enough to be able to work from home during these times. She says, I've built savings for school and my expenses, and I have paid off just under 40% of my loans. I have $27,000 in federal loans remaining. I'm continuing to pay those off, even with the government instated forbearance, which we just talked about. I've also started a small emergency savings fund and continue to invest for retirement I max my employee match. Thanks to all your great advice and your past guest, Aaron Lowry, who's the author of Broke Millennial. I value your opinion and wanted to know your thoughts on whether it would be wise to attend school during an academic depression or continue with my current job and focus on saving. Global health is a really important subject to me and I'd really like to do my part, but also be realistic. All right. Well, this is really a, a crossroads, I would say. I, I have been hearing, though, that some programs are rescinding their offers right now uh, because they just don't think that they can continue to have the programs in 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 the wake of what's happening in the world. Uh, they don't really maybe have an online extension or something like that to make it as uh robust as they'd like. So I would first check in with your school and just be sure that they have plans to continue enrollment in the fall. We're hearing now that this pandemic could get worse before it gets better, um, that there could be another episode, another wave of this later this year with the winter. And so a lot of schools are are just having to rethink their programs right now. So definitely one, have a conversation with your master's program in the UK. What are their contingency plans? Because here's the thing, if you can't actually attend the program, do you want to do this program right now? Because part of the experience, and of course you can go to school online, but part of sometimes what the experience is, is like going to school, right? Meeting your fellow classmates, having one-on-ones with your professors, experiencing the campus life, 
applying what you're learning in the workplace on an internship. And if a lot of that stuff can't happen or happen as functionally because of what's happening in the world, I don't know for that reason if it's a smart time to continue your program. So does this make sense from an experience standpoint? Are you going to get your money's worth? And if they are going to make this strictly online and you wouldn't have to move to the UK, well, that's a cost savings potentially, right? And will would they reduce the, co- the tuition because you're not actually going to have to go and use the facilities and be in person? And I don't know how this would economically change the cost of the program if it was all virtual, but we do know that you know, virtual programs tend to be more affordable than, than the traditional programs of going in class. So, so much is up in the air, right? We don't know if this program is going to continue in the fall. We don't know if that, if when they continue, you're going to really connect with it. You're going to really want for it. Cause I would assume that part of why what interested you in it was that it was abroad in the UK. Um, is there something really special about that? I, I think perhaps. So if that is not in the equation anymore, could you defer your acceptance? And in the meantime, you have a job, continue saving. That's really important right now. You know, going into further debt in a pandemic slash recession, even though it's investing in yourself, it's investing in your career, if you don't have to do that right now, if you have other options, like a job, and given that this program may not be what you signed up for in terms of how it's going to be executed, I don't know. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying maybe take a year, <laughs> defer it for a year. And in the meantime, save your money so that you can pay off those federal loans that you have and that you can have more for the new program. And you'll just be in a stronger financial place for it. And hopefully the program is also in a sturdier place and the world is in healthier place. This is very much uh, a situation for you that I think is going to evolve. And the, the the, the key is to stay in touch with the school. Talk to the other applicants who've been accepted. If you've already been, you know, forming a Facebook page or you know someone else has gotten accepted, start a community, get, start chatting. I think you'll learn a lot from each other and your perspectives. All right, good luck to you and congrats on this. This is this is good news. It's it's a bummer that it's in the context of everything that's going on that is making it a little more challenging than it normally would. But I would give it some pause. I would. We have a question from a listener who wants to know if she should just put her business plans on hold. Laina writes in on Instagram and says that she's a nurse who plans to start an, a business next year. Well, Laina, I hope that you are well and thank you for your work right now, your efforts, your commitment to helping us right now on the front lines. You are a soldier. Laina says, should I be planning to use my own money for this business idea or should I get a loan? I also stopped contributing to my 401k so that I could keep more in cash. In this time of crisis, should I put all of my business ideas on hold until the markets are back? Well, you know what, Laina? You could argue that now is an excellent time to begin planting the seeds for a business. If you look back at the last recession, so many businesses were born directly out of that crisis. Uh, Businesses, business leaders realizing what were the new needs? What were the new kind of areas of interest that people were gravitating towards? um, And what were the 
services, the products that were going to now support the new normal. And from there, we saw a surge in entrepreneurship. And I think, you know, maybe that's where you caught the bug as well. I would not discourage you from continuing to think about this business. Perhaps now is not the time to invest in this and put money towards this business. But as a lot of founders know, there's so much that goes into building a business in the beginning. Yes, money helps, but what really can help to lay the foundation is the business plan, right? Building a network, um, doing a lot of market research, testing the market, and that could take a year. And through that time, you're really learning a lot more about your customer, how to execute, how to position this. I don't know anything about what you want to start. You didn't say anything about your business idea, but I'm sure it's a good one. I would stick with the idea. Don't give up on it and then revisit it later entirely. Like keep your mind on this business. Keep talking about this business with your friends, your family, your colleagues, your trusted friends and family, because that's sometimes how great businesses start, right? It's through the learning. It's through the application and not so much raising all this capital and throwing it at, you know, hiring people to do stuff or renting out space or, you know, buying ads. Like that comes later. And one thing I often hear from experienced entrepreneurs in the beginnings of launching a business Never use your own money to start a business. (laughs) But I will say that it's important to have your own skin in the game. It gives you a sense of commitment to the idea, nothing like your own money on the line. But don't think that you have to start it all with your own money. You can raise money through various Kickstarters, friends and family, loans, SBA loans, things like that. Um, But slow and steady. No need to rush into this. You have a lot on your plate right now. It sounds like you do need to continue to save for a rainy day. That's why I'm sensing you're not contributing to your investment retirement accounts, which listen, that has to happen if you don't have rainy day savings. You know, we don't like to tell people to take money out of their retirement accounts or stop putting money into their retirement accounts. But in times like these, when there's so much uncertainty, especially job uncertainty, it's very important that you do feel and know that you have money in the bank to keep the lights on when your job and your income is not there. So I want to encourage you, Lena, to keep thinking about your business, to keep tweaking the business plan, talking to people. And you know, there's a lot of free resources that we can tap into in our communities. There are, of course, we can't go inside, but online, you know, your town, your city probably has a lot of resources, you know, templates, free workshops online to support your business. I would not abandon this at all. But I think definitely right now with all that's happening financially in the world and on your end that it's not the right time to sort of, you know, put all this money towards this idea right now, but rather put your oxygen mask on first, keep thinking about this business. And when clouds part, you'll be able to hit the ground running. And I wish that for all of us to be able to come out on the other side of this stronger, better, lighter on our feet, you know, financially, hopefully. A lot of us are, you know, saving a lot of money right now just because we can't leave the house. So if you have not seen your credit card bills diminish in the last five to six weeks, call me. What's going on? What are you spending your money on? So that's kind of a silver lining is I think we're going to be learning a lot more about our spending habits and what we actually need versus want. And that when we see a better day, when we're on the other side of this, that 
that thoughtful thinking about money will persist. I think it will. Definitely with this audience. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I wish you all a happy weekend. I'll see you back here on Monday. An incredible episode on Monday. Y'all know who he is. Sean T. You know Sean T, right? If you're home working out, and you haven't checked out Shanti's workouts, what are you doing with your life? Shanti is an American motivational speaker, fitness trainer, fitness motivator, television personality. He's got a million followers on Instagram. We're actually going to do a podcast swap on Monday. So I'll be on his show, his podcast, which is called Trust and Believe Podcast. And then he'll also be on So Money. Very excited to unleash that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your weekend is so money. So money.